Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 119 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. I had the pleasure of meeting this week's guest, Doug Dahlman, at the Colorectal Cancer Alliance Conference way back in the fall of 2017. Obviously, it took us a little while to get connected and get Doug on the show, but I'm really glad that I did. Uh, His story is very, I think you'll find it both very informative and inspiring. He talks about his experience with colon cancer, which led to his becoming an ostomate. And he, we spent quite a bit of time talking about life as an ostomate and some of his struggles and some of the amazing things that he has been able to do despite his ostomy. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So join me now for that conversation with Doug Dahlman. Doug, welcome to the podcast. Long time in the making. So glad we we're finally able to pull this off. How yeah. are you? Great, great. Happy to be here. <laughs> me too. Me too. So a lot I want to cover, but the thing that's just been jumping out at me, and it was really the impetus for us trying to get together a little while back, was you put a huge challenge in front of yourself, a big physical challenge to hike the Pacific Trail and do that all the while dealing with an ostomy. What was the motivating factor for you to want to take on such a challenge? You know, it's something that's been stuck in my stuck in my craw for about 20 years i just uh, i've always enjoyed the outdoors never really got into the backpacking scene until i moved up to seattle in the late 90s and then i got into mountaineering and that was fantastic and i wanted to do some more solo adventures mountaineering really isn't the best for soloing so turned to backpacking and you know the more i did it the more i just wanted to see how long could i kind of be out there on the trail you know just kind of being dependent on myself and taking in the sights and the beauty of nature so that's when i got wind of the pacific crest trail the pct and bought the books back in 98 but i never really had a chance to do it until um you know this last year when i i left my position i had a great job and you know quit may of 2018 and you know instead of waiting the time to come to me to do the trail i I created the time it was just something that was important for me to do so you quit your job to do this wow uh in a way in a way you know i just had a lot of things that were piling up in uh, my to-do list in life and you know job the years roll by really quickly if you're in a job even if you love it before you know it, you know, you don't want to turn around and have, be uh, retired and like kind of missed an opportunity to do things that you could have done more easily when you had a little bit more youth. So everything just kind of came together for me. And, you know, I guess uh, the way I say it, the way I tell people, no one ever has time, money, and youth all at the same time. And just kind of where I am in life, I don't have a whole bunch of all three, but it just seemed to be a good, it, it just made sense. So I created the time, 
save some money, you know, I've been saving that for a while and uh, use that opportunity to move back home from Seattle, back here in Wisconsin, happy to be back among friends and family. And since I took that time away, you know, quit the job, I said, well, let's, let's make the time. Let's, you know, let's set aside five months and give this trail a shot. And was it your intention to hike the whole trail? And for those that aren't familiar with the PCT, just kind of give us a little geography lesson in terms of location and distance and that kind of thing. Yeah, it was my my intent to do the whole thing. So the Pacific Crest Trail is 2,650 miles from Mexico to Canada. It got a lot of popularity due to that. The book Wild and the movie that came out after it, you know, about 10x uh, jump in people who try it every year. So it's it's hardly the the secluded outdoor experience you might think. It's more of a you know, big migration of humans from south to north over that over that time. It's a very interesting experience. So the, the goal was to do the whole thing, but didn't quite pull it off. And talk to me about what you needed to do differently than someone who doesn't have an ostomy and, and what that preparation looked like and, yeah. and some of the challenges that you, you face along the way. So backpacking with an ostomy is a bit of a bit of a trick. So, you know, as probably most people who are listening to this know, a colostomy is, a, you know, where your waist exits your, your abdomen now. And it's usually right where your backpack, the, pelt, the belt of your backpack will come across your waist. So that creates a problem. That was a hurdle I had to figure out. How am I going to, to do this? You know, have this thing sit along my waist while I have other waste coming out of my abdomen. So... But before that, I had to make sure that I could even survive on the trail. As a result of my cancer surgery, it turned out about three or four years later after surgery, I was susceptible to abdominal blockages, and they would disappear out of the blue. These things hit you like a ton of bricks, you know, from the onset of symptoms. You can be go from, ground, from zero to 60 and be in the ER, crumpled up into a fetal position in a ball and a stretcher in about, you know, a matter of hours, three or four hours. So I started experiencing these around the time I thought about taking time off to do the trail. And I realized there was no way I was going to put myself out on the trail when I could just be totally incapacitated in a matter of hours. So I finally, after going to the ER and having like my fifth or sixth hospital stay for blockages, finally had surgery to remove the adhesions, the scar tissue in my abdomen that was a result of the original big APR cancer surgery I had back in 2010. So once I had that surgery, I waited about a year and a half, two years to make sure, you know, I didn't have any more blockages. That That's exactly what happened. No more blockages. And then I could start thinking about the trail. So, but in the end, make a long story short to, to I built a little um, device to it was just like a metal bar. The whole goal was to push the backpacking belt away from my waist, really from my stoma, while still being able to cinch down on that backpacking hip belt real tight to keep that load as stable as possible. It really wasn't entirely successful. It's interesting. There was a gentleman from Canada who I copied his design. He used, he's an ostomate, pretty amazing guy. He went on a you know, multi-week trek in Nepal that he came up with his own design. I tried to copy it and it kind of sort of worked for me. And I did a lot of research as I was leading up to the trip and 
And as I was on the trail, when you're stopped at a hotel, you got web access, blah, blah, blah. You got Wi-Fi, you can log on and see what else is out there. And, you know, as the years roll by, since my surgery, a lot of people are putting out these stoma appliances. And there was one that looked great for backpackers. So after, after about two, 300 miles, I called this guy up and go, look, I'm on the trail. You know, how quickly can you get something out to me? And how much does it cost? He says like, wow, you're like the third backpacker who's called today. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That means your, wow. your, your gear must work. I wound up not going with him. I just didn't want to fork out the couple hundred bucks. I'd already put so much money into this trip. And I was really just kind of had this do-it-yourself mentality. I wanted my solution to work. But my solution got, it wasn't perfect, so things would get messy at times. To delve a little bit more into the, you know, having a stoma, some of the challenges is, you know, if you, I'm a big fan of irrigating. So irrigating, if you're an ostomate, is when you basically give yourself an enema to flush all the waste out. And once you do that, you got about, I don't know, day, day and a half of no output. And that's wonderful for backpacking. So I would do that right before I left the hotel. And just the way I was eating, I could get up to two days of no output. And I'm like, great, this is wonderful. And two days from the last hotel could get you pretty far along your stretch to the next hotel, the next city where you might next have access to, uh, to a, a bathroom, uh, you know, and showers and facilities. So I'd say only about half of the time on the trail, a little more than half did I actually have to worry about stoma output. And my, my system worked well enough that I could just, you know, swap out bags and I uh, had enough supplies on me that I didn't, you know, create too many messes. It would create messes at times, but once I was out in the woods, you know, that was the, that was the plan. Irrigate before I go, enjoy the, the output free period, and then just, you know, manage swapping out bags. And if you made a mess, you made a mess. I had stuff with me to clear, to clean up. But, you know, so I, I'd say, you know, if you're thinking about, if you have an ostomy, you're thinking about backpacking, you got to do some planning. You got to go out on some weekend hikes, check it out. It's a lot of extra, you know, gear that you probably don't want to carry, but, you know, you got to carry it. You don't have a choice. You know, that's, that's kind of the, you know, I kind of got into the weeds there, but that's, you know, a lot of what made my experience different on the trail versus, versus others. You talked so matter-of-factly about, you know, dealing with, the ostomy, that wasn't always the case. You wrote an article that was posted a couple of places. I grabbed a copy of it. And your quote, as you were referring to the possibility of having an ostomy, said anything but that. So uh, take us back. How did you come to be diagnosed and you know, to becoming an ostomate? I was diagnosed with stage three rectal cancer in January 2010. Fortunately, I had been having symptoms for years. I can, I mean, at least five, six years beforehand. And it was, you know, kind of brushed off by several physicians, one nurse practitioner, you know, to her credit, she did a fecal exam and that came up negative. She said, it's anal fissures. That's kind of your lot in life. You got to deal with blood, you know, blood in your stool. And it just slowly get getting worse over the years. Nobody went in and did a scope, which I think would have caught this before I was diagnosed during my physical when I was 40. And, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad. Anyways, I had misdiagnosed symptoms and the tumor was hanging low enough in the rectum that, you know, I was told pretty much off the bat, you're going to have to have an ostomy. 
so but they're like but it's right on the verge you know it, you may be able to get away with the j pouch or something if the tumor shrinks blah 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 but yeah it's a kick in the stomach and nobody you know the stigma you tell somebody they're gonna have a colostomy bag they they don't want to hear it it's it's a blow it's a blow to everyone it's really really tough i think it's probably the toughest thing that i had to overcome and I think anyone who's faced with that, so I think it's the toughest thing that they have to overcome too. And the thing is, they will overcome it, but you, you won't believe that at the time. There's a couple of uh, Facebook pages that I'm you know, a member of for ostomates or colorectal cancer. And there was one post by somebody a few weeks ago. It was terrible. The woman was just scared out of her wits because she had been told that she had cancer and might have an ostomy. And she was so against the idea of having an ostomy, she actually said in her post, you know, I would rather move to Oregon to take advantage of their death with dignity laws than have an ostomy. And I'm like, you would rather die than have a colostomy. Wow. But I get it. You know, and I wrote this post to try and, you know, point out, I go, look, you're in the same exact same place everybody else is. I'm going to tell you this and you're not going to believe me, but a year from now, you really won't think about it. It'll just be part of your routine. And you can plant, it's like, you know, t putting your contacts in or, you know, whatever floss. It's just part of your daily routine. It just won't be that big of a deal to you a year from now, even though it feels like your life is going to end if you have one. And I was totally there. But, and so it's, it's horrible. The stigma is horrible. And I was no different. Uh, like I said, anything but that, that was my driving force to do everything I could during pre-surgery chemo and radiation to, you know, get that tumor to shrink. And in the end, I'm kind of glad, God, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm glad I got the ostomy instead of trying to have the the, the first surgical alternative, which was a variation of a J pouch. I just, you know, I hear too many stories of people who have that. Now, I know J pouches work wonderful for a lot of people, but I think mine was so low, had they tried to, you know, hook me up, uh, keeping the what little of they could of the sphincter in place, that it probably would have been a, a miserable existence. You know, you're tethered to your home, you're you know you're crapping in your pants, you're wearing diapers, and quite frankly, I don't have to deal with all that. I know people who were in that condition; they do it for a couple of years, and they say to themselves at first, "Well, at least I don't have an ostomy." A couple of years later, they're like, "You know what? I want an ostomy," and then they get it, and they're like, "Wow, life is so much better." I've heard that so many times. Yeah, isn't it crazy? And you, you, but you can't tell somebody who was recently given that news that you can tell them that, but they won't believe it. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's and it's so tough. You 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 have they they just they just have to travel that journey themselves. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. You've talked about, and you know, you talked about how you've been an outdoor guy, but talk to me about how physical activity and exercise helped you through this whole experience in your recovery. Yeah. You know, I think I told myself as long as I can keep doing everything that I like to do, I would be fine. You know, if this was a, being an active guy, if this was a, a cancer that left me without a limb or, you know, a foot or, you know, without or the ability not to walk, run, or do all that stuff, that would have really been rough. So on me personally, because I'm so active. So as long as I could keep doing those things, yeah, I would have an ostomy potentially. That was my motivation. 
and I used physical activity to kind of, you know, that was my, my path for, for coming back from cancer. I, when I was done with treatment, I got my strength back. I trained for a, a century bike ride and flew out to Denver, did that with some close friends. And, you know, then another couple of years went by and then my five-year anniversary came around again. I picked something, you know, just totally crazy to do to shoot for something that I could totally fail at, but I knew I would have to push myself harder than I ever had in my life physically, just to show that I could still do that. And I chose, you know, entering a bodybuilding competition, just kind of something crazy. And so I did that. And so, you know, pushing my, and, and so the trail is no different. I just enjoy these kind of experiences where you're, you're pushing yourself to a little bit and you know, it's, it's, it's just always been a part of who I am. It's what I enjoy. Bodybuilding competition. Yeah. On, on a stage with not a whole lot of clothes on either a bikini or board shorts or something i'm sure and there's your ostomy bag for the whole world to see what was your reaction when you got through that you know so okay so i knew i was going to have to face that and i was terrified of it i found some people online who have done this before there's a surprisingly large number of ostomates who have done bodybuilding competitions and there was a couple of women who had done it and they sh I showed, I, I looked at how they, my goal was to cover it up. I didn't want anybody to know that I had an ostomy. So if you irrigate, you know, when you don't have the output, you wear a stone like cap. It's, you know, it's a smaller bandage. It's not a full on bag. And so my, I went through all these, you know, pains to, you know, have that bag spray tan with the same material as, oh no, I didn't even do that. I would irrigate and I just took a, like a four by four curad adhesive bandage and I would have that spray tanned as well. And when I had that on, it looked like I had something on my abdomen, but nobody would know it was an ostomy. So that was my way to get on stage the first few times. As fate would have it, you know, I think the last competitions I did, I didn't do this too long, but you know, you time your diet and everything to get on stage and look in the right condition. But this, you know, the irrigation, I, I didn't time it too well. I started getting output right before I was to go on stage. A little Curad 4x4 bandage, that ain't gonna, it's like putting gauze in front of a freight train. So, you know, I ran back and I go, well, here we go. You know, I swapped down the full-on colostomy bag and I had to go out there and, you know, in front of a whole auditorium full of strangers, you know, there you are bearing your bag. And that was tough. I was petrified to do it at first. But afterwards, I was so glad I did it. And then when I saw the pictures, you know, I, I felt like, okay, this this is it. I've I'm finally there. I'm finally comfortable with this, you know, to be able to do that, you know, to go from anything but that to five years later, wearing a colostomy bag on the stage with your board shorts and a spray tan and nothing else in front of a bunch of strangers in a bodybuilding show that. You know, that it couldn't be any further from uh, where I was at the start. That had to be such a seminal moment for you and and how you move forward emotionally, I got to imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I did that twice with the bag on stage. And uh, those are my two favorite photos from that from that experience, the whole bodybuilding journey, which which is over. That was a one time thing. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you did it. I did do it. It was a goal. I, I, I That's did all it. that matters. Yeah. One of the things that I also noticed from the article that you mentioned that I know 
is a major concern, especially for people who are not in a relationship and, you know, don't have a partner or a spouse is navigating the whole world of dating when you've got an ostomy. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that was part of the mental adjustment is like you come out of surgery, you hear he's got an ostomy and when you're in the hospital, you're like, oh, great. You know, dating is already hard enough. Dating already sucks. Let's just put this albatross around my neck and increase the degree of difficulty. So I was really moping around about that. I overcompensated by going on a million online dates like during chemo right after surgery. I mean, it was just forcing myself to, and that was just horrible. It's a total mess. Not in terms of like not meeting cool people, but just, it was an act of desperation to show that I was still worthy. So that kind of ended, that just didn't end, you know, in anything fruitful. And so I just kind of went back to chemo, finished that up. But what it did show me is that, you know, the whole time, you know, when do you break that news? So it's, it's super interesting. It's certainly not first date material. But, you know, when you eventually figure out what, t when to tell a woman that, hey, by the way, I've got this, and, you know, you want to, you know, you, you can't just pop it on them out of the blue. You want to tell them about it early on, but again, not the first date. But, you know, and I was really surprised by the number of people who didn't care or were cool with it, or at least said that to me. <laughs> you know, it's funny if I got a sense from a woman that, she was kind of just not my type or generally women who came off as being a little bit superficial to me, I would spring that on them a little bit early and just, and they would inevitably, you could just see the, their eyes would bug out and they'd be like, Oh, really? That's interesting. How long are you going to have that? And I'm like the rest of my life. And you could see at that point, they just checked out, they were done. Mm -hmm. So I kind of used it as a filter to filter out people that, you probably wouldn't want to be with anyways. So go. it was great in that respect. So it was a good filter. And like I said, in the end, you meet somebody you like, and they really like you, they look right past it, you know, and which, you know, kind of restored my faith in people a little bit. I'm like, wow, you know, that was, that's actually really encouraging. So I, I try to tell that to a lot of guys who, you know, I'm put in touch with them when they first get the news about having yeah. an hospital. How has this whole experience over the last nine years, and, and by the way, congratulations on nine years. Thank you. How do you think this has changed you? What would the old Doug see in you now that would be different? Yeah, so I, I, do, I do all the stuff. I take advantage of the opportunities in life when they come up. You know, I found myself the first five years after cancer, if there was, if the guys, you know, the, the buddies from college were going on some trip, I would go. And in the past, I'd always use work as an excuse not to go. I'd take the trip. So I'm, I'm much more living life, doing everything I want to do sooner than later. And that totally goes into quitting my job and doing the PCT. You know, had I not had cancer, I'm 100% convinced I'd still be at that job. And I would have waited until retirement. And that, you know, that's, I'm, I'm so glad I did it now. So yeah, you know, it, it's just, I guess, I guess you could say, you know, the cliche of life is short. Well, it is. So, you know, do all this stuff now. I'm not saying quit your job and spend five months hiking across the country, but, you know, pick, pick the little things. Whatever it is to you that you're putting off in the future is a big thing. It's probably not that, that big of a thing. Or if it is, go for it anyways. You only get one shot at this. That's probably been my 
one big thing for me, and even though I'm nine years out, being so involved in the colorectal cancer community as I am, you know, you're you're reminded all unfortunately all too often how life short is when you see people who don't make it through their journey. And it's, you know, it's tragic to see them lose their battle. But when they're, you know, they they pass in their, you know, at an age that's, you know, right around where I am, that reminds me that, you know, any of this could happen to me tomorrow. And I don't want to have any regrets. And I don't. I don't. What's next on your list of physical challenges? Yeah. So you suggested or you kind of referenced that I didn't quite make it, Pacific Crest Trail. So I'm going to go at it again, another through hike. So I made about 900 plus miles in the Pacific Crest Trail and my foot just went out on me, overuse injury, plantar fasciitis, and I'm still battling it like five, six months later. It's just serious pain, pain in the ass on the trail. I, I hiked, a, I limped the last hundred miles of it. And just decided that, you know, this is supposed to be fun and not a not a suffer fest. So I, I got off the trail and didn't heal up in time to get back on the trail before the season ended. So not, you know, being a person who likes to finish what he started, I'm going to try the Pacific Northwest Trail this summer. That's something that goes east to west from Glacier National Park to the northwest tip of Washington State. It's uh, 1,200 miles, uh, should be two and a half months instead of five months. And it's more of the stuff I like. More mountains, more trees, more water. None of this desert baloney, none of these tarantulas and rattlesnakes following <laughs> around on the trail. So it's just more my cup of tea and I'm, I'm totally jazzed for it. And you know, I always said on the trail, there was two things I could have done earlier. I would have, well, three things I would have started earlier to beat the heat, I would have shown up 30 pounds lighter, and I would have just not shot out of the gate and went so fast, you know, 20 miles a day out of the blue, your body's going to break down quick. So I'm, uh, I'm hitting the gym, getting in shape, and I know what to expect. So hopefully the body's in much better shape this time, and uh, I can pull that off. So that's my next plan. That sounds exciting. And, I am totally uh, excited I about it. A few months out, but uh, wish you the best of luck. Thanks. And I'm sure we'll be in touch between now and then. Doug, as we wrap up, you know, if someone is facing the possibility, not sure, or maybe it, it is definite that an ostomy is in their future, you've been down the road now. What words of advice do you have? You know, I tell everyone who, my wound ostomy nurse always puts people in touch with me. And the first thing I said, even beside, you know, after telling them, I'm sorry to hear the news that you might have to go down this road. But if you do, I tell them, you're not going to believe me. But a year from now, it's not going to be a big deal. And you can do everything that you wanted to do before. I mean, life doesn't change. Whatever wakes you up in the morning, whatever got you out of bed in the morning before you got the news that you're going to have an ostomy, that's still going to get you out of bed, that you're still going to be able to do all of that. And, you know, you, you tell them that and you just tell them your story, you know, everything's going to be okay. You, you get used to it and it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to fall in love with the bag. You adapt, you adapt. You're, you're much more resilient than you think you are, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. Great words of advice. Where can people find you online, Doug? Oh boy. Well, you know, you find me on Facebook, Doug Dahlman. I'm on Instagram, Pacific Northwest Trekker, Pack NW Trekker. And that's it. I, I'm just dabbling with the Twitter sphere, but you know, so Instagram and Facebook. Okay. We'll include those links in the post with this episode at wehavecancershow.com. 
Doug, I really appreciate the time. Glad we were able to finally get together and get to hear your story. You know, wish you continued good health, uh, recovery on that foot injury so that you can do the Pacific Northwest Trail without any hiccups. And, and also thank you for all the work that you're doing to raise awareness and support those that are coming along behind you, so to speak, no pun intended. I know everybody appreciates it, and and I do too. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on here. I'm glad we we're finally able to get together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Lee. Be well, my friend. Colon Cancer Coalition has a number of exciting events taking place across the country. On March 27th, that is a Wednesday night for our friends in Duluth, Minnesota, is Beers for Rears, a community fundraising benefiting the Colon Cancer Coalition. That's taking place at Bent Paddle Brewing Company Tap Room in Duluth, Minnesota. On Saturday, March 30th, is the Get Your Rear in Gear event taking place at two locations in North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina at Independence Park and Asheville, North Carolina at Carrier Park Shelter. And on Sunday, March 31st is a virtual run-walk event for our friends in Baton Rouge. And really, anywhere you want to be, do a 5K on your own time and in your own way between now and March 31st. Share the information online, and this is a great opportunity to fundraise for the Colon Cancer Coalition in your own community. Also on March 31st is the Jeepers Against Colon Cancer event for our friends in Export, Pennsylvania. This is taking place at Rick's Sports Bar and Grill on William Penn Highway. For information on these and all of the other Colon Cancer Coalition events coming up, visit the Colon Cancer Coalition website at coloncancercoalition.org forward slash events. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.